Welcome to Cloud Out Loud podcast with your hosts, John Gallagher and Logan Gallagher. Join these two skeptical enthusiasts, or are they enthusiastic skeptics, as they talk to each other about the cloud out loud. These two gents are determined to stay focused on being lazy and cheap as they evaluate what's going on in the cloud, how it affects their projects and company cultures, and sometimes how it affects the world outside of computing infrastructure. Please remember that the opinions expressed here are solely those of the participants and not those of any cloud provider, software vendor, or any other entity. As with everything in the software industry, your mileage may vary. Okay, well, welcome back. It's been a little bit, and we find ourselves in summer thinking about sports. We are at the, oh my gosh, we're almost out of the NHL season. We just finished the NBA season, go Warriors. And like I said, we're in, in the baseball season. So thoughts turn to large people propelling balls with their hands, feet, and various other instruments. It's sports time. And let's talk about sports and public cloud. Logan, you've been doing a deep dive on this. What's up with the public cloud and sports? Indeed. And if you are a sports viewer, in the last few years, you may have noticed during replays, when they've thrown the commercial or coming back from commercial, the broadcasters mentioning things like MLB StatCast, brought to you by the Google Cloud Platform, or NFL NextGen Stats, brought to you by Amazon. And maybe you recognize what GCP or AWS is, but don't have much more insight into what these platforms are and how they're being used. So we did a deep dive to check out how these various sports leagues are leveraging the cloud for their data and analytics platforms. And a lot of these leagues do indeed have cloud provider sponsors. MLB is GCP, as mentioned. NFL is Amazon. NBA is Microsoft Azure for their core optics analytics platform. NHL is AWS again with their puck and player tracking system, PPT. PGA is another Amazon cloud-sponsored sports league for their Every Shot Live platform. F1 uses Amazon for F1 Insights. And then a few other leagues in the United States and in Europe have other cloud sponsors. English Premier League has Oracle. The Bundesliga has Amazon for their Bundesliga match facts. And FIFA for the World Cup and the impending World Cup and Qatar will have Alibaba Cloud. Wow. Before we start off, you know, obviously sports are sports, but sports are also something becoming unique in today's society, which is it's one of the few things that we who are watching it all watch live. Absolutely. And we can't fast forward through the commercials. We're a captive audience. Now, when you're looking at, when you're going through some of the products that we're talking about here, a lot of them tend to, to be focused on interacting with the user, with the viewer, aren't they? Yeah, a lot of these are focused on allowing the viewer to look up analytics data on the sports they're watching and maybe use that data for things like their fantasy football league or if they're just a really huge stats nerd just to figure out what their team could be doing to improve their performance and play. And of course, the other use case people might be using sports analytics for, sports betting. 
And so all of these leagues have made available to their audience these analytics platforms for someone to really dig in and get insights on the play that's occurring on the field. I remember, I, I think it was a reInvent we were both at, AWS was demonstrating, at the time they were the provider for Major League Baseball, they were demonstrating how quickly they could get analytics. And it was a San Francisco Giants game. A ball was hit to the second baseman. Second baseman moved to the ball, picked it up, and tagged the runner out. And they calculated within those four or five steps, he was traveling north of 20 miles an hour. And that kind of statistic gives you real insight into the people who are playing the game. Imagine developing the musculature, the, the reflexes to be moving at 20 plus miles an hour. Yep. And if I remember correctly, that demonstration was to prove the old adage about running through the bag when you're running to first base and the value of continuing your velocity all the way through the bag to make sure that you get called safe yes. after you've made your hit. That if you were slowing down at all, that second baseman with his 20 mile an hour reflexes may just throw you out. Yeah, so clearly there is an enormous amount of data that these leagues are collecting, and they're putting a lot of time and effort into aggregating this data and doing stuff with it, running machine learning models on it, making it available to users to be able to run their own models on. This is a huge volume of data that they're collecting from every single game and every single team across their leagues. It's funny looking at the, at the data collection and the different use cases. They, they kind of break down into user-facing data and then team-facing data. Definitely. And the team-facing data is something that doesn't get talked a lot about, maybe because it kind of may reveal some competitive secrets. Certainly. And so we could take the case of MLB. MLB, as mentioned, was on Amazon and now they're on Google. And they have described in a case study for Google a lot of the effort that they made to move their huge volume of data out of a data warehouse that was running in the Amazon. They're using Teradata running on the Amazon cloud. And they migrated that data into Google's data warehouse product, BigQuery. And this is especially useful for them for their internal data and analytics platform that they call Wheelhouse. And Wheelhouse aggregates data from all of the games across the entire league, including data that's going to be club-specific and maybe would provide one club with a competitive advantage over another club. So they have a real incentive to regulate who can see what slices of this data set and maybe specify only Team X can see this specific data. And they do that natively with Google BigQuery using something that BigQuery provides called authorized views, where you can set up a view that gives you access to a certain slice of the data in the data warehouse and set permissions on who can access that view. So you can say that the Cincinnati Reds can access this authorized view, but their competitors over in Pittsburgh cannot or what have you. And just a, that great example of the fundamental difference or the fundamental tool that Google can provide. It also is amazing the quantity of data we're talking about here. What was the estimate of the quantity when they first moved to Google Cloud? It's like tens of terabytes of data. Easily, yeah. 
And then moving quickly on to the more data you collect, the more data you're going to get. So you were talking about the typical arrangement of cameras within baseball. How many cameras are operating on a typical game? Right. So in an MLB ballpark, they have at least 12 cameras set up around the field. And this is in each of the 30 ballparks that are capturing on-field movements at 100 frames per second, which is just going to be an enormous amount of data when you multiply it across every stadium, every game for the entire season. And all the historical data from prior seasons. This volume of data is going to be growing logarithmically. That, that's insane. You know, a high-quality JPEG is, what, six megabytes? So a high-quality frame would be six megabytes. So you're talking about 600 megabytes per second per camera. That's an insane amount of data. Absolutely. One of the other interesting Google tools that MLB is leveraging is they are using Anthos, which I would describe as a suite of tools that you can use to manage an application across multiple platforms and have a unified control plane for your application. What this means, and maybe some less technical language, is that they have a cluster of computers running at each of their ballparks that's doing a lot of pre-processing of all the data that's being ingested by their cameras and their sensors. It might be doing some... Uh, it's going to be doing some pre-processing before it sends that volume of data to a more centralized location over the network. They are managing these clusters of servers running in the stadiums, as well as clusters of servers running in their own on-premise data center and in the Google Cloud, all using Anthos for a unified control platform. And as you're pointing out here, using Anthos, using this technology, they're pushing the compute closer to where it's where the data is being generated, you can make some really interesting decisions, like for example, that 600 megabytes per second, if your camera is just capturing the field in general, you can drop a whole bunch of those frames because yep. not a lot's happening. So the pre-processing helps you manage the data. Interestingly, you can also enrich the data as it comes in. Undoubtedly, they're tracking things like, what's the weather like? What's the wind speed like? So. This becomes less of an app just capturing video data and more using Internet of Things to try and capture the full experience of playing the game there, then, with whatever factors are occurring physically. So could this be feeding into something like an AR, VR type experience? Very possibly. Yeah, I think MLB is really a great example of a trend that's occurring across different industries where you're seeing this enormous emphasis on sensors and monitors and vacuuming up all that data from the sensors and monitors and doing computing. Often they will say computing at the edge where you are doing computing closest to your monitors and your sensors before sending that data to a more centralized location. It's interesting in particular baseball because because of the unique nature of baseball, because from the very beginning, people kept statistics obsessively about baseball, charting each individual pitch, you ended up with a huge amount of data that people in general thought led to certain conclusions. But then as other people, for example, Bill James with the Baseball Abstract, 
the Moneyball folks in the Oakland A's, they started looking at the data differently. And you developed a culture of not just feeling things about the game, but actually being able to backstop it with data. And then here comes this incredible technology that allows you to open up even more data collection because there essentially is unlimited data capacity. If you want to keep track of every sparrow flying through the stadium on the off chance they get hit by a ball, you can do that. Yep. And MLB, or the game of baseball is interesting because it is a game made up of discrete actions. There's a hitter that's hitting. He hits the ball. The ball is fielded by an infielder. It is thrown to the first baseman. With the other leagues that we're going to take a look at next, there are discrete actions, like in football, there is the the down. You have you have the play, and then but you get to something like hockey, that's just a game of constant flow. The game is broken up into periods of play, but other than that, it's very much it's more difficult to break down into individual players doing a thing. And it is more about how the players are interacting with one another during the flow of play. And so Let's go into NFL and talk about how they're using Amazon. NFL has their statistics platform that they call NextGen Stats, and they've used Amazon to start developing what I would call composite statistics made up of various different statistics. For example, they have developed something that they call a passing score, where they're combining seven different machine learning models to predict the value of a pass before the ball is thrown, to evaluate the quarterback's passing performance. And so they are using Amazon's machine learning platform, SageMaker, to develop these various new statistics that you would not be able to come up with with pencil and paper. They are using machine learning models and an enormous volume of different data points to build these statistics. The other one that they've created is called the Fourth Down Decision Guide. Again, using SageMaker, they use this analytic to inform them on how the game will change based on hypothetical outcomes and conversion probability, which predicts if the offense will convert a fourth down or a two-point conversion. So now they're developing analytics that could potentially help teams make decisions on the field. You could be relying on a machine learning model in addition to your offensive coordinator. Interesting. That pass rating system is fascinating because there are so many aspects to making a successful pass that isn't necessarily just the ball and the arm motion. Right. It could be as um, how well does the quarterback pick up the blocking? How well does the quarterback sense how the, what the defense is doing and reposition himself in the pocket? And all of those things you can't do discreetly, but you can evaluate using machine learning or machine learning models to say, well, it, it, he did take a step towards being behind two of his own people. That's a more effective use of his pocket. That actually feeds back into how well you can train your quarterback. So this sounds like fabulous stuff. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. The next, another one that jumped out to me was completion probability. Another SageMaker model that they've created to compute the probability that any given pass will be completed based on the distance of the pass, the receiver's separation from the nearest defender, his spot on the field, and the amount of pressure on a QB. 
Wow. So they're aggregating a ton of different data points here about where's the receiver on the field? How much pressure is the quarterback receiving when he is attempting to make that pass? Where are the cornerbacks trying to get to the receivers? So aggregating all these data points into this one score, really fascinating and potentially can inform decision-making on the field. Yeah, you were also saying that IoT, the Internet of Things, is really being pushed into onto the field itself, particularly the helmet. Yeah, we know that the helmets now, in an effort to combat the problem of CTE, now have sensors to evaluate how much impact the player's helmets are receiving. Now, I don't know if that data is going into these platforms. It would be really interesting if it is. That part I was unable to determine from my research. Well, we run into an interesting problem there. When The closer you get to the person, the more you start to hit the boundary of personally identifiable information. Right, and true. in this case, it could be HIPAA and information. And that's health data, yep. Yeah. This will be interesting to watch. The utility of the data would be obvious. It would be fabulous to be able to give this data in real time to the team doctor and say, this person just suffered a 3G force blow to the head. We need to shine a light in their pupils and possibly take them off the field. But how do we do that and still remain compliant and make sure the privacy is there? Now, the league that I think has the most interesting implementation of sensors and IoT in their sport is the NHL. And actually, at the time of this recording, we're recording on June 23rd. The Stanley Cup is still going. The Avalanche, the Colorado Avalanche, is leading the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-1. to one. And at Game 5 is tomorrow, Friday, June 24th. Now, in NHL, they have the Puck and Player Tracking Platform. Say that 10 times fast. And it's deployed on Amazon. And this uses 14 to 16 antenna installed in each arena, four cameras to support tracking functionality, one sensor placed on the shoulder pads of each player on the team, and a puck that is loaded with sensors. This latest generation of pucks has six circles on both sides, covering tubes that allow infrared cameras to constantly connect the vulcanized rubber with a puck and player tracking system. Now, this did have some bumps initially in the 2020 to 2021 season. The puck that had sensors in it did not slide very well, and they had a lot of player complaints, so they pulled that puck within the first few games of that season. But they reintroduced a version 2 puck for the 2021 to 2022 season and did not experience complaints. And in fact, when the Detroit Red Wings coach Jeff Blaisdell was informed that the pucks had sensism, he said, I'm not aware that we have used those pucks this season yet, <laughs> which I guess indicates that the pucks were working because they didn't notice the difference. But these pucks and those cameras and that antenna system collecting all that data about play on the ice is used to generate analytics such as for shot analytics, when each shot is taken in every game, They've developed an analytic, which includes a number of variable factors, such as where on the ice the shot was taken, if a team is even strength, shorthanded, or in a power play, the score of the game, the time of the game, and more. So all these factors that can contribute to when a hockey player shoots the puck, again, 
aggregating those data points to provide this level of analytic insight. They also are tracking saves. So for each save a goalie makes, they'll now be able to include a goalie's save percentage based on the location the shot came from, different team strength conditions, i.e. whether it's a power play, which means a power play for uh, non-hockey fans means that someone's been taken off the ice for committing a foul. They're in the penalty box, and so one team has more players than the other. And that's, if your team has more players in that circumstance, that's typically when you press on the offensive. And finally, face-off probability. So they have what they call their first AI and ML-driven stat that generates predictions for who will win the upcoming face-off based on players on ice, location of the face-off, and the current game situation. In all these cases, one of the things machine learning is doing is taking things that are only apparent after years of experience and making them available to the users and to viewers and hopefully to the teams themselves. So yay for that. Yay for that. Absolutely. I mean, I personally, I really enjoy watching sports where broadcasters are really informed about what's happening on the field. I think the best example of recent years is Tony Romo broadcasting football because he was a professional quarterback that can read a defense. And it's so fun when he can predict what the defense is about to do before the snap. And with some of this analytics, we may be getting to the point where that kind, that level, he's operating at a high level because he played a high level of football to, and more of those insights may be made available to a large number of people. Yeah. I don't think we'll all get to Tony Romo level, but this could unlock some really interesting stuff. The best baseball games I've ever watched personally have been sitting next to people who played the game, coached the game. My brother, your uncle, as an example, explaining why players are moving around, why the left fielder and the center fielder are both in left field and the right field is over in center field. You know, we have a massive shift going on. What the difference is between one out, two outs, and your approaches to each one, all of those things making you focus more on what's actually happening in the sport itself. What's another thing about the NHL, though, is I've always much preferred hockey in person because you didn't really have to see the puck. You could see the movement of everything and know approximately where the puck was. In television, because you don't get the holistic view, you just see from the camera, it's up to the camera person to be really tracking. And if they're off at all, then you can... you. Ugh. The worst camera people are the ones who, who give you nausea, just flipping the camera around. So this, I hope that this also feeds back into the broadcast totally agree. experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I personally, I didn't really know much about hockey as a San Diego boy until I was at an East Coast school that was really good at hockey and started attending games in person and really gained an appreciation for that sport and it, how fast and dynamic it is and really incredible to watch those folks on the ice. Now, NHL also has been a little more, a little more forthright about one of the uses of all this data than the other leagues have been. And that, of course, is sports betting. They even have the NHL Vice President of Technology, Keith Horstman, being upfront about their usage of this puck and player tracking system for in-play betting, where he says, this is going to re-engineer the hockey experience, which, to put it lightly, is suboptimal because it's all about game outcomes. It's exciting that this data is going to lead to in-play betting. But it's going to take some time to figure out 
what fans care about enough to bet on and how the odds and probability will work. We're working on it and we'd like to say it will happen this season. I got to tell you, that guy's probably from the Northeast. Yeah. So all this analytics, all this data points could also lead to advanced forms of gambling, apparently, in-play gambling. We'll see what the future has in store for us, but really incredible technology that all these leagues are leveraging, both in their stadiums and in those cloud data centers, and been really impressed by all the stuff they're up to. Yeah, this is fabulous. And, you know, fundamentally, it wouldn't be possible without the massive capacity, the compute and storage capacity the cloud has. Right. And then the unique aspect each team, each sport has in understanding what it needs and then implementing that. So, I, Yeah, I mean, frankly, a baseball league shouldn't really have to run data centers. No. They're in the business of baseball, not running data centers. They should have some developers that have subject matter expertise of baseball and can develop some really cool apps. But no sports league should be in the business of IT and managing data centers. That doesn't make any sense. And so leveraging these cloud platforms, I think has been really powerful for them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that was a good one. And uh, I learned a lot from you and from uh, the little studying I had to do on this. So Great stuff. We'll be back next time. We will undoubtedly be mentioning things that are going on in the world. I hope that those of you who are involved in crypto made it out okay. And we'll see you again next time. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cloud Out Loud podcast. Please let us know in comments if you caught either of the gents calling a product or technology by the wrong name. Other information and suggestions are welcome too. Or feel free to tweet us at at Cloud Out Loud Pod or email us at cloudoutloud at ndhsw.com. We hope to see you again next week for another episode of Cloud Out Loud. <laughs>